Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I am your host, Al Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason, a Christian Muslim dialogue on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Uh, if you have joined us last week, you would have enjoyed the uh, discussions that I had with my uh, fabulous uh, guest speaker, a dear friend, a dear brother, a dear colleague, Pastor Mark from First Baptist uh, Tempe, who is with me here today to continue uh, this awesome discussion from the Word of God. That's why it's awesome. And it comes from an awesome book called the Book of Romans, uh, the book that uh, probably most of us uh, tend to try to skip because it's complicated. Even even Peter says uh, that uh, the Apostle Paul writes things that are really uh, uh, hard for uh, people to understand. So uh, you can imagine uh, what Peter was dealing with when he was going through that letter. I'm just kidding, of course. Nevertheless, uh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is... Uh, what we rely on to understand the Word of God, and that's why we are so thankful that the Lord have empowered us uh, with such uh, um, awesome gift uh, that, uh, believe me, uh, not a whole lot of people uh, can say that they have except us, the elect, the chosen one, the set apart for the Lord, and I'm talking about the Church of Christ, of course. So back uh, last week, we were talking about... um, gave kind of like a, a background about the book of Romans, and we covered at least uh, the first three verses from chapter 1, showing that Paul introduced himself as a servant, a slave, not the servant or the slave. And this, of course, applies to all of us. However, obviously, Paul has a special office. That's the apostle, the sent one, and he was sent by Christ. But we, technically speaking, are sent by Christ as well, maybe not in the same capacity as Paul, but to deliver the message that is passed on to us. And we have to look at our work for Christ as slaves obeying their master. And, of course, we are set apart, unique in the eyes of the world. I remember when I first came to the U.S., I was uh, thinking everybody's Christian until I began to distinguish between the Christians who are born again and the others who claim to be Christians. And I understand now what does that mean that they were set apart. And finally, we close in verse 3 uh, after Paul telling us that the good news that God has promised, called the gospel of God, and by the way, in the letter, uh, the Romans, uh, Paul uses the gospel interchangeably in different ways. Here he calls it the gospel of God. At the end of the letter, he says, my gospel. And in between, he uses other phrases to describe this gospel. That's important. That's significant because the gospel of God is our gospel. If it is indeed the gospel of the Son, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's the gospel. That verse 16, the most powerful verse says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
And this is really the central uh, probably verse in the first chapter. In my view, probably it's the central verse in the entire letter, that the whole book of Romans centers around the fact that there is a good news called the gospel, and this is the gospel of God that he promised from all the way in the past until the coming of Christ. And now our job is to continue to share this good news with the lost. Pastor Mark, sorry that I've taken a little bit longer in the intro, but uh, uh, tell us uh, more uh, if you have any thoughts about the first three uh, verses, and let's dive into verse number four. Well, I love that he he unites uh, both the side of the flesh that we're so familiar with, how we live here in, in this natural world that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then in verse 4, he introduces us to the, the, the spirit side of life, and that is the side that, that, that has God in it, that, that God wants to enter our world, the spirit world, um, the spirit side of life, if you will, uh, wants to come in. And that spirit side has power. It has power to make a difference in this fleshly side, if you will, of life. So Jesus declared to be, uh, by the flesh, he was the son of David, but yet in spirit, he's really God incarnate. He's the Son of God. And there's power. There's a change. There's something that can come from this, such as life from death. Absolutely. And uh, just verses 3 and 4 are so powerful because it really it talks about the incarnate Christ, God in the flesh, who is the seed of the promise according to the flesh made to uh, uh, to uh, uh, Eve in the garden, made to Abraham, made to David, but now uh, appearing as God in the flesh, and God is a spirit, and declared to be the Son of God, which, by the way, if you go to John five eighteen, Son of God and God are one and the same. At least that's how the Jewish thought understood it at that time. They wanted to uh, basically stone Christ for saying such a thing. And uh, this is the gospel of God, the good news, the promise found in the Holy Scripture, the Bible, for us to share. This is why when someone tells you the Bible is corrupt, there goes the good news, because that means they're denying the existence of this good news. And our job is to wrestle with their thought about why they think the Word of God, the Holy Scripture, as it's called here, could be correct. If God is holy and powerful, how can He even allow His Word to be manipulated with? Al, I want people also to notice that Jesus is referred to in this passage as our Lord. So that doesn't just mean that he's the master or the boss or the Lord, the king, maybe. Uh, that term, kurios, is used throughout the Old Testament in the Old Greek, the Septuagint, if you will, translation of the Hebrew scriptures. The the Jewish people, they didn't want to use God's name in vain. So instead of speaking his name, which we're told is Yahweh, they would take the name and they would replace it with Adonai, which meant Lord. So instead of saying God's name, they would say the Lord. And when the Septuagint or the Greek was translated out of from the Old Testament Hebrew, the word was kurios. So throughout the New Testament, we see, and we see it here, that Jesus is the Curios, he's the Lord. It's not just trying to put him in a high earthly position among men. It's calling him the Lord God, as the Hebrews did. And and certainly, I, I want to be careful here. And uh, for Muslims who are listening, uh, what Pastor Mark says doesn't necessarily mean that they change the word of God. They just 
put the translation that they were able, because of the holiness of God, that they can pronounce. And in the Old Testament, they would use the vowels for Adonai in Yahweh, so that uh, because they just looked at the Word of God as something huge that no sinner can pronounce. In fact, uh, Isaiah in chapter 6 was at awe about himself when he saw God high and lifted up right before his eyes, and he says, woe to me. I mean, this is, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, the holiness of God is something important, and I feel like, Pastor Mark, that uh, the church waters down the holiness of God oftentimes, and as if God is just a friend, and we forget about His holiness. That's right. We do. So, uh, building on all of this, uh, the fact that uh, He is the seed of David according to the flesh, how does this tie now to verses 4 and 5 in terms of the person of Christ, and this promise, and the good news, and the gospel of God. Well, as we move into verse 5, we we are told then that through Jesus, through Jesus Christ our Lord, uh, we receive something important. And that is, uh, this is the first occurrence of this word that we started with uh, a week ago, grace. Uh, Through Jesus, we receive grace, and we receive this messengership or apostleship um, that 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 has a very important role to play now um, in God's plan of bringing people back to Him. So, uh, through Jesus we receive grace, and through Jesus we receive this messengership or apostleship, and we're to go forward now with something that's very important. Uh, I love the next part of verse five. It says that um, we've received grace and apostleship for obedience of faith into all the nations on behalf of his name. In his name, we're to go, we're to tell our neighbors down the street, across the road, the next town over, the next state over, the next country over, we're to tell them about faith in Christ and about obedience towards God. Al, you gotta, got to agree with me, I think, that that what's lacking in most lives is obedience toward God, whether we want to look at that in terms of obeying his, his word, his law. Uh, we're not obedient people. And yet the message that Jesus has given us to take, this message of grace, it's intended to bring about something really important, and that's obedience. But it's the obedience that comes through faith. Absolutely, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned this because uh, uh, earlier we mentioned also that uh, um, the holiness of God is something that has been watered down, and uh, for the life of me, I don't understand where we get this idea that, uh, oh, thank God I'm saved, I can do whatever uh, because I'm saved. No, 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 let me tell you this. Um, uh, Don't take this obedient to Christ so lightly. It makes no sense for Jesus to say, you've heard it says, but I tell you. He raised the par. Just read the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll see that Jesus is telling you to follow him is no easy matter. And just to say casually that I am just saved, I can do whatever, because all the blood of Christ washed me, uh, I wonder why Jesus will say, uh, depart from me, you workers of iniquities, for I never even knew you. He was talking to people who used his name to heal and cast out demons. Brothers and sisters, you know, walking with Christ in obedience of faith is a serious business. And uh, I think the world rightly can be hindered 
uh, by our actions if we do not present this holiness in the proper fashion. Al, when we, when we, as we're working our way through Romans now, this is the first mention of both grace and of faith. Curious that those two words, or obedience, grace, and faith, curious that those things are all found in the same verse. We think of eternal life. We think of God making things right. We talk about, and Paul's going to do this later, he's going to talk about justification. Uh, and, and that's how we're, the, how we're, the how of we being made right with God. But here the grace, the faith, the justification, he hasn't explained yet how we get there. For example, verse 16 of this chapter, he's going to say that, um, um, that the gospel is the power of God for all those who believe. Faith being the noun form of that verb, believe. So for those who are believing, for those with faith, um, it should bring about obedience. And it is the grace of God that restores us in right relationship and fellowship with him. And I want to add also, um, I like what the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul in verse 5. Notice Paul in verse 1 says he's set apart. And this applies to us as well, because he will uh, uh, mention that uh, as we progress here, we are called, basically, uh, by Christ. Uh, set apart, called out. Out of what? Out of the world. But yet in verse four, uh, 5, he says that we ought to preach the obedience of faith into all the nations. Right. So it's a, it's a balance here. We're called out to be distinguishable, but we are not removed from the world around us, because the world around us, in need of a Savior, how will they know this Savior if we're not around? So not living like them is probably important. Called out to be different, but sent in to give them the good news, the message of faith, the message of grace. And the fruit of that should bring about in their lives obedience. And the idea of all of this is that it's to go into the nations on behalf of his name, um, we are sent with intent. We're sent with um, uh, the intent of making all the nations once again obedient to God. Amen. And, you know, uh, that's what got the people of God in trouble in the first place when they refused to be set apart among the nations. And what did God do? First exile uh, by the Assyrians, second exile by the Babylonians is like, no problem, I'll send you to the nations and if you don't want to go in your own, uh, basically, free will, I will force you to be there. And now, I hear everywhere I go, people are nervous about the Syrian refugees, that they're coming to our backyard. Uh, could it be that God is saying, you know, I'm tired of the church not going to them, so I'm going to bring them to your backyard. Maybe that's what God is up to. Uh, have we ever asked ourselves this question? Kind of a radical idea, Al. Uh, well, God is radical when it Thanks comes to, to the you. gospel. That's uh, There's good news, and people need to hear it. So. Amen. Amen. And that's what Acts 17 tells us in 26 and 27, that indeed God does this. He moves people around. He determines the boundaries of their dwelling places and the times uh, how, where they stay for three purposes, that the people that he's moving around who do not know him will seek him, feel their way towards him, and find him. Maybe there is a hint in here for us. Yeah, yeah I think so. Well, so far he's been talking about himself uh, on the most part. He, he does use the— That's plural, the Apostle Paul. Yeah, Apostle Paul. He's, he's the servant. He's the one sent. He's the, um, uh, the messenger um, set apart. In verse 6 now, he tells us that we also are the called 
of Jesus Christ. Are you sure, brother? Is that what the Greek says? Because I'm, I'm wondering if you're really reading the same Bible we're reading. I'm, I'm kind of thinking it says, in whom you also are called by Jesus Christ. Also, in addition to who? To himself. To Paul, that's right. Uh, it isn't an exclusive message, and, and we need to somehow find all the people who have the secret password or the secret code or the gold ticket, if you will. Uh, God calls, and just as Paul was, that calling is upon us as well. And here, that's where the gospel stops usually. We get to this passage, and we feel like, and I hear it all the time, I don't know about you, Pastor Mark, I hear people say, oh, I'm not called really to evangelize, I'm just called to do this. Well, I'm sorry, I don't know what Bible are we reading, because I don't think Paul is talking about select believers. He's talking about you, in the plural, all the believers. That's right, that's right. And so this message to the nations of faith and grace that brings about obedience in our lives is something that we are called to live and carry as well. And I think we see that really in the next verse, verse 7. Uh, Paul, now he gets, to, he gets to the us side of it. He's talked about himself and his companions. And now he says, to all those in Rome, but listen to this, to all those in Rome who are, who are what, mechanics or uh, uh, grain keepers or senators in the Senate, because Rome was the capital of the known world, right? So it must be all the important people live there. Well, I, I read here, that to all those in Rome who are hated by God. No, no, it actually says beloved of God. So we're called for the purpose that we're the ones who are beloved of God. So this message of hope and of love, of faith in Christ, it's a message of love for us. And we're the recipients. We're the beloved of God. We're called to be holy ones as well. We're called to be dedicated to, separated from the world and dedicated to God as his holy people, the holy ones. And what do we need to do that? What do we need? We need grace, it says in verse 7, and we need peace. We need these things from God. We need peace with God. Sounds like a, a maybe Romans chapter 5, verse 1, having therefore been justified. We have peace with God. And like I said, you know, at uh, my intro last week, uh, uh, Paul summarized the entire book in the uh, first few verses. He did. It's amazing how it sets the tone for us as we work our way through. And, and I love Paul's heart for people, for the nations, for getting out the message that, that Jesus makes a difference in people's lives through, through the Spirit, through the power of God. And, and, and this grace and peace we get from God, who is who? He's our Father, it says. Isn't the, that what Jesus taught us to pray, our Father? That's right. So this Father, this God, who is proclaiming the gospel of His Son to us, is no other than our Heavenly Father. And which Father doesn't like the best for His children? A good father always wants the best for his children. And I think we could agree that God is a good father. Amen. So peace and grace, they come from both. They come from God, the Father, our Father, which 
makes us his children, I think. Beloved, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, it says in 1 John chapter 3, I believe, that, he, that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. We don't know yet what that fully is going to mean, but we know that when Jesus appears, we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is. And right now, this message, the, the gospel, it brings grace and it brings peace from God the Father and from Jesus the Son. Here is a Christology, and by the way, if you don't know me, I am a Christology freak. Uh, so anytime there is a divine mention of Christ, I'm always going to jump all over it because I come from a background where I denied his deity and I feel guilty all the time. So I want to always hammer it out. So here uh, we have the conjunction and, in English, of course, says, your father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, equating basically Christ with the father who is the Father? God, who is your Father. So God is equal to Christ, and that's where you can see uh, basically passages like this throughout the New Testament equating our Lord with God because Jesus is God incarnate. But another thing I want us to talk about, brother, uh, in verse 7, we were identified in a specific manner, and I want you to elaborate further on that. Who are we? As the... Well, there's the Romans. That's sort of the physical, locational, we're talking to, or I'm writing this to this group over here. But I think it becomes much broader than that. And even these people, we're not what we do or where we live. We're not Americans, if you will, or we're not uh, just Americans. But we are a special kind of people. We are the beloved of God. He loves us, and he wants to show his love to us. He wants us to experience his love. He wants us to walk in his love. He wants us to be so overwhelmed in his love that it overflows out of us and flows to those who are around us. The, the law, it says, is fulfilled um, when we love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and when we love our neighbor as ourself. Christ expanded that even. He says, he says that we should love our neighbor really as God loves. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were sinners, he laid down his life for us. That's the, the love that God has. That's the love that Christ has for us. We're beloved. We're the beloved of God. Absolutely. And I like also, as we started in verse 1, Paul introduced himself to be invited and set apart, holy one, basically, sanctified. He also called us as believers in verse 7 as also beloved of God, holy ones, set apart, invited, basically, chosen, selected. Sounds like the role we have to play in the kingdom is just as important maybe as the role that Paul told us about back in verse 1, where he's the slave, the messenger, and the one who's set apart. If it is good for Paul, it's good for all of us. I think so. So, um, brother, I don't want to, uh, you know, dig deeper, uh, but I'm giving people uh, a taste of uh, the journey uh, we will take periodically through uh, the uh, book of Romans. And as you can see, this is a deep book. It has deep theology. I don't think me and Pastor Mark can do this book justice but we will do our best yes. to try to encourage and bring hope uh, to a church that is uh, in despair these days. And uh, let me tell you this, brothers and sisters, 
There is no better time in our nation than these times for the Church of Christ, the beloved one of the Father, the set apart to shine and to share the good news because we are living in perilous times. And I can tell you, nothing other than the grace of God can save and can restore and bring about hope. Our time, as always, uh, is cut short uh, uh, by uh, this joy of going through the Word of God, but I promise you, and uh, Pastor Mark, uh, would you uh, join me again to continue uh, this fabulous exegesis? And please, Pastor Mark, uh, tell people how they can at least explore uh, something about you and get a hold of you. Well, you can learn more at my website, which is servingtheshepherd.com. If you'd like to uh, send me an email, it's Pastor Mark, one word, at servingtheshepherd.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. And for you churches out there, hint, hint, he's available to be a pastor and a teacher and a preacher. Just hint. I'm just giving you that. Nevertheless, uh, we are so thankful for you to join us. You can also contact me via Sira, uh, my email, Sira Ministries, plural, C-I-R-A, ministries at gmail.com, or visit my website, Sira International. Uh, dot com and through there you can connect with me by uh, private messaging me through my Facebook as well and uh, I look forward to uh, continuing this uh, fabulous study with my dear brother Pastor Mark next time until we meet again have a blessed weekend <laughs>